Hey everyone, how is it going? How are you? Uh, welcome back to this week's episode of Make Climate Cool Again. I'm your host, Sarah Miltenberger. You know, I'm I'm excited about a lot of things, guys. It is almost Earth Month, and so I'm just I'm so excited because there's a huge lineup of really good guests, guys. I've been like really putting in the work to get great guests. I think there was a moment in time where I was like, I don't know, do we do seasons of the podcast? Do I do every other week? Do I do once a month? I don't know. It's a lot of work. Um, but when I sit down with these these change makers, these positive change makers, I'm inspired. I mean, I cannot, I can't help it. It's a it's a problem, but it's a good problem. So we're gonna keep we're gonna keep rolling. <laughs> trying to be on schedule as much as we can. Um, as you guys know, I'm busy. I'm a sustainability consultant. There's a lot going on and Earth Month is out of control. <laughs> There's just so much happening. Everyone wants something. There's a million questions. Um, a lot of social media stuff. And I'm also hiring someone, so I have to review all those applications. I actually um, put in a an away message for the entire month of April. So it's, it's like a like an out of office, but it's it's just a email response. It's like, "Hey, happy Earth Month. I'm inundated with requests. I'm going to get back to you when I can, but there might be a delay. By the way, if you're thinking about going green, here are some tips." And I actually have like three tips and they're like linked up to different articles of different things that you can do for Earth Month. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I'm crazy for doing this. Please tell me. But I don't know. It might be helpful. But my first thing on my, you know, how to go green for Earth Month is composting. And you guys know I compost. I'm a big composter. And I got an email earlier today uh, that I missed my compost pickup. You guys know I work with Blue Earth Compost. They're awesome. I just literally leave my pail out and they pick it up on my designated day, but today I messed up. Okay, to be fair, I only messed up because I was in a whirlwind of trying to schedule my vaccine appointment, okay? Connecticut, we are, they're opening it up to everyone over the age of 16 on April 1st. But this location this one like health provider decided to kind of open everything up early. So everyone's like rushing, rushing, rushing to try to get an appointment. So I had to get my appointment, guys. Woo-hoo. I'm very excited. Um, so anyway, I forgot to put my pail out. And I was really bummed because I had an onion in there that is like rotting. Like so it's, I don't smell it because it's like in its container. But before I put it in the container, it was like rotting in my vegetable bowl that I have on my counter. And I was like, oh my God, I have to put that in the compost bin. Ugh. So anyway, in the email that they send you that they're like, oh, by the way, you forgot to put it out because they let you know if it was picked up or if you missed it. Ex- literally the exact time that they come. They must have some kind of technology. I don't know. But it gives you a list of options of what to do if you miss it. I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. So now when I'm running errands, I can just throw the bin in my car. It doesn't smell uh, right now. (laughs) And I can just drop it off. Or you can pay five bucks and they'll pick it up for you. Honestly, 
with how much work I have, that might be the option. But I'm just saying I'm not stuck with it for another week if I don't want to be. So y'all should find a composting facility near you. If you have one, sign up. Or if you're in Connecticut, sign up for Blue Earth Compost. Seriously, you get a discount using the code MAKELIMATECOOL. Go check it out. Um, that being said, our guest for the day, Shannon Kenny, she is the founder, CEO, owner of Mama Eco. Her Instagram is, I'm honestly jealous of it because <laughs> she is just killing it. And there's so many resources, even things that I didn't even, like I kind of knew but didn't know. For example, like your website could be hosted on a like with a green company and they'll like offset your footprint. Actually, my first website when I had my old business when I was in college, I used, I don't even remember what it was called, but I used this one hosting site that it ran on renewable electricity, like the servers. So obviously nowadays they have way more options, but you can host your site or at least your domain to be carbon neutral. Guys, I didn't even know that. And she has links and everything you need to kind of find out more. So even though we both are sustainability consultants, both of us are going to be churning out a lot of content this Earth Month. I suggest you go follow her. She's got so many tips and tricks and, you know, t- really talking about her story throughout, um, you know, her experience and sustainability in this interview. And I know I learned a lot and I and I think you're going to really like it. She's so funny. We just giggle and I love it. So enjoy the interview. I will talk to you guys on IG or Clubhouse or wherever we're connecting and stay golden. Awesome. So I am, uh, you know, it's a beautiful day today. I'm so happy to have Shannon Kenny in with this, in the studio with me today with Make Climate Cool again. She you knows she and I are, I feel like kindred spirits because we do some, we do similar things, but she's a sustainability consultant. She owns Mama Eco and she has worked with a ton of different companies from startups to hotels to fashion brands, beauty companies, uh, and been featured in all these different uh, news outlets, USA Today, which is amazing. Um, so I'm really excited to have her because I think I'm going to learn something from her. Uh, I hope you guys do too. So Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Happy to be here. So, you know, I, uh, was doing some research on you beforehand and you built up like a pretty amazing account. And when we were talking before you had mentioned that, you know, your priority is small businesses and, and really trying to give them the tools they need to become more sustainable. And this is something I've been talking a lot about because I think it's so necessary And because I feel like small businesses don't get the same attention that businesses do for going green. And because, you know, we have to give out awards to all the big companies that go green, you know. (laughs) So I'd love to know, like, what was your like, what was your aha moment? How did you kind of get into this space? And how long have you been doing it for? Like, let's I want to hear your elevator pitch. Oh, all right. Um, (laughs) There's a long version and a short version. Um, Should I start with the consulting or you want to go way back? Oh, let's go way back. 
we got time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, you know, growing up as a kid, my dad was pretty um, eco-minded and it was never something that he like told us we had to do certain things, but he kind of just like led by example. And um, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. And when I moved to the States, I finally had like the, uh, the privilege, I call it the privilege of being able to recycle. And for many years, that was kind of my like, you know, eco-friendly um, action. And you know, I did that for several years. And eventually I realized one day when I was bagging up like a ton of recycling for, at the, at the time I lived with three people. So it was, you know, the trash of, of four people in total. It was a lot of waste. And I thought, okay, this is cool. This is not going to the landfill, but this is still four giant bags of trash that we could have avoided had we maybe thought of things at the source. Um, and so that was like a big moment for me in terms of looking at my own individual actions. And, you know, at the time I was in a job that just completely was not fulfilling at all um, and very soul sucking, but um, it took me some time to figure out how I was gonna sort of exit out of there and transition into, you know, something that I felt very, uh, give me a lot more purpose in terms of getting up every morning. Um, and so it took me a while and I transitioned and I started Mama Eco. Um, I won't tell you the very early stages of that because that's just going to be way too long of a story. But I started out with just a blog and my Instagram. And, you know, I had made all these personal changes to my personal footprint and my habits and the way that I bought, um, which is really interesting because I used to be like frugal to the frugal max. And like I would drive to like three different stores to find like the cheapest version and now I think back at that and I was like oh all the gas and everything like it just doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't add up anymore um so started Mama Eco and really in the beginning I was just focusing on helping people in their personal day-to-day -day lives with their sustainability um you know I feel like climate change and you know plastic pollution and these really really big heavy topics to kind of digest. And so I tried to break those down as much as possible into like individual actionable steps. And I was doing that for a couple of years. Um, and to be honest, my first consulting gig kind of just fell in my lap. Um, I was talking with the owner of a hotel who I knew in Tobago. Um, and they had just decided to go straw free as a hotel there, an oceanfront hotel. And we were talking and she was like, well, you know, if, if you ever want to come by and let us know, you know, what we can do better, like, please come on down. So I went and I did like a full site visit of the entire hotel from housekeeping to looking at the laundry machines to, you know, going into the rooms to looking at the restaurant, like everything, even the grounds of the entire like property. And I ended up putting together for them like a 25 page assessment of like all of these different things that they could put together. And I realized, okay, I've really been focusing on helping people in their personal lives, but there's something here with businesses where they don't really know what they could be doing better and they have that desire to be doing better. Um, and so businesses need that support too. And so that was my first like unofficial, um, you know, consulting project that I worked on. And that's when I started to kind of roll it out and, and create actual like, you know, programs to work with businesses and have been working with businesses ever since. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a windy path, but here I am. Well, I mean, even I was kind of checking out your website and your Instagram links. I feel like you have a ton of awesome resources and I'm like, I'm jealous. I haven't thought of this stuff. Um, but like, <laughs> 
there, we, we need everyone to kind of be on board and be doing this kind of work so that more businesses can go green. And I think we, one thing that I, you know, you said something in your story that I thought was really interesting was you said that it's a privilege to recycle. And I feel like I like there's something that let's elaborate on that. Cause I, I have a sneaking suspicion what you mean by that. Um, because recycling is such a, it's an interesting topic because, you know, as consumers, we think, oh, it's recyclable. It's the answer. And for companies, I tell them, you know, recycle, recyclable is not good enough anymore, really. Like we have to think beyond that. That's like, that's standard. You, you shouldn't even be, or like even biodegradable and compostable, you know, interesting topics as well. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, but just want to, I want to know what your thoughts are around like recycling is privilege. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. So when I, I left Trinidad, you know, I, I moved to the States when I was 18, recycling wasn't even on anybody's radar. I mean, people maybe knew what it was, right. But in terms of infrastructure, nada everything going in one bag and going to the landfill and you know exactly where the landfill is in Trinidad because you drive past it on the way from the airport and uh, we call it the Labas. I don't know where that um, name comes from, maybe from some sort of Trinidad Patois back in the day, but you know where it is because you can smell it. Um, and so when I came to the States, there was an option to do it. So I was like, oh, this is great. Like then I can separate it and I know that this is going to go somewhere. Now, of course, years and years later, I know that that's not necessarily the case. Um, and to be honest, I feel like recycling is more of a band-aid solution because even if you can recycle things, they can, for the most part, with the exception of maybe aluminum um, and certain metals, you can only recycle it a certain amount of times. Um, most things are actually downcycled, not actually recycled, which you would, you would know about as well. Um, so recycling is, you know, putting a band-aid on the cut instead of solving it at the, the cause of it. So it's complicated. And you mentioned biodegradable and compostable. We could probably have an entire series of podcasts just on that alone, because it is, it is not what most people think it is. No, I know. And uh, really quick too, you know, I was reading an article the other day and they were talking about sustainable jewelry. And they were like, oh my gosh, this company is recycling gold. It's amazing. They're recycling. I'm like, uh, we've all recycled gold, all the gold that's ever been on this planet ever. Like it doesn't wear out. It doesn't disintegrate. It's that's why it's so valuable is all the gold that's ever been will continue to be. And we're constantly recycling it. I just thought that it was just like, what a marketing stunt. Um, and even like, you know, thinking back to experiences I've had, you know, growing up in, I grew up in Connecticut and there's a giant like landfill. I lived way out in like rural Connecticut, like a lot of farms. Um, and people actually, I think were sustainability minded just because they didn't have as much stuff. They didn't have access to like malls and stores the way like more urban areas did but there was a landfill we would drive by and oh god it always just like made your stomach hurt because it smelled so bad but it was on the way to the city or mm. Hartford um and so anyway it, it's just like fascinating how we like think that it 
it all just goes away somewhere, but it doesn't, it like goes somewhere very close to us and like can affect our health and it affects our ecosystems and all this stuff, which, you know, I typically don't talk about to businesses because it's so like, it's so over their head, you know, and it's easier to talk about like the immediate ramifications for business solutions or, or um, business problems rather than talking about the bigger picture. Do you also feel like getting too into like the science and the climate change problems ends up like bogging down companies like when it comes to making decisions or do you think it's helpful? Yeah, I, I try to give them what they can handle. And I take that approach when I'm talking to anyone about sustainability, regardless of you know business or personal, because everyone's at a different stage and everyone has different things on their plate. Um, and especially when it comes to businesses and especially like small businesses, they have so many different things. A lot of them are doing the majority of the you know, business operations on their own, or they have a very small team um, and they're already overwhelmed. So the last thing I want to do is make them feel more overwhelmed. Um, so I really, you know, kind of hear their concerns and what their priorities are for the business. And then we talk about the different opportunities that they can become more sustainable with what they're doing um, in a way that's manageable for them. Um, you know, I think more so than anything, I, I come in as a resource, but I'm also like the support system to help them make that way through that because with any business, you know, nothing is an overnight, you know, flick of the switch solution. Um, so it's helpful to support them as they go, go through that because there's also gonna be challenges that come up, um, you know, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'd love to kind of talk about some of your, greatest like achievements in consulting and also your greatest challenges because I think like one challenge that I can think of when it comes to talking to businesses about sustainability is that there's so much education and but that's also the greatest achievement because when you're explaining the differences between compostable but biodegradable natural uh, recyclable, post-consumer recyclable, like all these different terminologies and things that they're like, oh my God, I don't know any of this. Like, I don't know how we're going to implement this. But then when they actually do, it's like a proud, it's a proud mama moment, mama eco moment. <laughs> so um, most things I just want to talk about how biodegrade, biodegradable is, is like the word natural. It's like, there's, there's no, I, yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that was just me. That was my own plug. Um, but I'd love to know, like, is that the similar feeling for you? Or what do you think has been like your greatest challenge and also your greatest achievement? I would say challenge. And this is something I kind of learned very early on is that if everyone's not on board, and in particular, if the main decision maker, whether it's a CEO or the owner is not on board, nothing's going to happen. Um, you know, early on, I worked with, you know, some businesses where the sustainability initiative wasn't coming from the top. It was coming from someone in like C-level, um, not C-level, management level, like the director, I don't remember what the exact title was, but they were like, we need to do this and I'm on board. And we did a ton of stuff. We did a whole site visit. Like we, I put together this huge, you know, assessment for them. And she was like, great, we're gonna do all these things. And they did start to implement some of the stuff, but because the CEO wasn't really like 
they were like, yeah, okay, great. But like, not really a hundred percent on board. They didn't really execute on a lot of things. And, you know, there were other things that we were going to do in terms of like coming in and, and doing like workshops for the, for the whole team so that they would all kind of understand why it's important. Um, and again, because that wasn't coming from the top, it just, it didn't, it didn't flush out and they didn't make the kind of changes and impact that they could have, um, which is a real missed opportunity because their brand, um, it would have just made like perfect sense for them. And it, it could have really expanded what they were doing in terms of marketing. Um, so that's one thing I've learned. You can't, you can't convince people that this is important. They have to have that seed planted. They have to have that desire. Um, and then you help them make that happen. Um, and then in terms of reward, I think for me personally, so my background is also in art. So I really appreciate like design and like creative problem solving and that kind of stuff. And, um, working with one of my clients, we were trying to figure out packaging solution for her. And one thing that a lot of small businesses come, come up against is that they don't have, they can't do huge buying orders. And when you do a huge buying order, then you can make anything you want, right? Because you'll get it custom made. But as a small business, you are limited because you can't make an order for 20,000 units or 10,000 units sometimes, you know? Um, and so we had to figure out the packaging for this new product that she wanted to launch. And it took some time, but we were able to figure out, um, you know, the, the bottle for it and to get it. We ended up did getting a plastic insert, which had other purposes in terms of not wasting the actual product um, but we were able to get something that fit just for the specific packaging that she wanted and it's like birthing a baby which is funny because she was also pregnant and birthing a baby at the same time that she was going to launch this thing um, and uh, and now it's a real living product so that's like just really cool to be part of that process and see it you know come to life can you, can you share what product that is or no? It's yeah, okay. um, yeah. Uli, it's called Uli's Ointment. Um, she currently has two products. This was the second product. The owner, Steph, is an incredible human being, um, mom of two. I saw that on your Instagram or not on your Instagram, your website. Yeah, she's, she is probably one of the favorite, my favorite clients because she was like, she's like, I have to do this, like, I need, I need my kids to know that I did everything I could to, to do my part in terms of like climate change and stuff. And that's something that is a recurring theme with pretty much all of my clients is they have this like intrinsic thing that's motivating them to do it. Um, and that's like the best kind of client that you want, you know, because they're all, they're all on board. They just need your help in getting there. Yeah. I, you know, what you said resonated with me. I, I feel like I've been saying this to everyone who will listen. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that small businesses hit so many barriers when it comes to sustainability because of cost, because of these supply chain barriers in terms of not having MOQs or minimum order quantities. And, um, and also just having the bandwidth right? Like they have a million things. Like I'm a small business, you're a small business. When we started our businesses, we were like, okay, this is what we're passionate about. We're passionate about sustainability. I didn't sign up for accounting and marketing and legal <laughs> things. Like I didn't sign up for those things, but like when you're getting started, you have to do those things. Um, 
And so you have so many things on your plate, you're constantly overwhelmed and it's hard to like make decisions all the time about this stuff. And I think, you know, I, I'm, if we could somehow pool our clients together to help them, like if there, if every, if there were two clients that were making little glass bottles that we could join together and then they could create an order that would be ideal i i've been talking about this for maybe a month now that's like a it's a billion dollar business idea of like a marketplace for small businesses that are ordering the same things and being able to get um a lower price because you're ordering more of it anyway it's kind of seems like a logistics nightmare but i think like that could be a solution for some of these small businesses that are hitting these barriers, not really sure what to do. And, and I want to talk a little bit about your clients because I think what's really interesting is there is this desire, right? There's this, I want to align my values with my business, right? That's what these small businesses are feeling. And I'm just curious how, how do you, how do you find your clients in the sense of, do they come, come to you? how many of them are kind of skeptical when they talk to you or is everyone just on board? Because I know for me, I've been actually working with like my copy editor and like a lot of the things that I've been trying to do is to attract a very specific type of person. So that I don't have to deal with the naysayers. Like that sounds like trying to convince someone who pays you money to convince them that sustainability is better is sounds like a nightmare. I don't know. <laughs> this sounds like a marketing question. <laughs> um, so I put a lot of content and a lot of free value out there. And Literally amazing. Everyone should go look. It's There's so much <laughs> out there. And that is what attracts the right people to me. So yes, I am, I am doing outreach and connecting with business owners all the time. Um, a lot of times I'm doing that more from a place of connection. And if it leads to them being a client, if it leads to them knowing someone who's a client, great. But uh, I'm not like, for the, I, I've tried doing the cold pitch email thing to be like, hey, this would be a really great opportunity. And it just doesn't work. Uh, it ha Okay, I shouldn't say that. It hasn't worked for me. Um, and so I'm more about giving a, a lot out there to attract my ideal client and them coming to me and pretty much all of my clients have come to me. Um, and so it's not like a one for one conversion where I put this out and I get that back, but I'm putting a lot of different things out. Um, and that is attracting the right person. And yes, I have spent like you countless hours working on copy for my website and my, you know, free online challenges and all this stuff because you know what I mean I we could probably have a whole separate episode just on marketing but like you want to attract your ideal client so it's like you're speaking to that one person that like dream client and then they see it and they're like ah she's talking to me yes I'm going for that so yeah I mean I mean great lessons in general for anyone who's starting a business and I think what's interesting too is you and I have like a very similar mentality of how to communicate sustainability. I was on the phone earlier today with someone who's starting a business um, in the EV world or has started a business and he was telling me about how his daughter, uh, she's an environmental lawyer 
and she is very like, we need to do things now. Like we don't have time to waste and, and, and like dilly dally and all this stuff. And I think all of us in sustainability either have that mentality or have had that mentality. And I say that because there are some of us that have, I don't want to say graduated as a sense of like, I'm better than you for thinking this way. It's just, we've evolved from that thinking because I'm sure it, because it creates anxiety, right? Like we're all stressed out and we've had to kind of move in a different direction because it's scary to talk like that. And, and I'm, and I'm just sort of curious your thoughts because I've always come from a place of, I want to make climate cool again. I want to make sustainability like fun. I've always said, it's like a dinner party conversation. If you're that person who's getting upset about something and, you know, kind of making a scene, right? Like you're not going to be invited back. So how, oops. You're not gonna you're not gonna be invited back to the dinner party. So how do you when you're talking like you don't want to be the person talking about the polar bears dying, but if you're the person that's like oh my god I read this amazing article I heard this podcast about this company that you know is making ink out of algae or is making tea out of this you know this root that's only found in Texas and it's uh, like a species that causes fires or something like. That, like amazing stories that get people excited and inspired about climate change and sustainability in a way that inspires action. So that was a very long uh, point, but the whole thing being, I think we think the same way. And I'm curious, like how you evolved into that thinking and why? Because they're not everyone thinks that way. Yeah, no, it's it's a great it's a great question. Um, so I learned pretty early on in my sustainability journey in terms of when I was like putting stuff out there and trying to educate people that every time I put something out there with like anger or that was charged or really frustrated, it that negativity came right back at me. And I just, I realized that I was just frustrating other people and that wasn't the way to get the message across. So there's that, putting out the negativity and the, the shouting, you know, and I'll give you another story, which is actually really interesting. Um, I had a friend come and stay with me. She is a scientist at one of the biggest oil companies in the world. Um, and she came and she stayed with me for a weekend. And she's one of the most amazing people you'll ever met, meet. Um, so I'm not painting this person as a bad person, like, but she works at an oil company. And I was like, like fresh into my sustainability journey. And I was like super jazzed about everything. And I was like, look at this thing. And, and she was like, yeah, I'm probably going to go shopping. Cause whenever Trinidadians come to the States, they, their number one priority is shopping. Um, and she, you know she was asking me about something and I was like oh I don't really know I don't really like shop there because um you know I just I try to not shop at those kinds of places um because of you know sweatshops and that kind of stuff and I just like said it like really casually and I put it out there she was like oh okay I never thought about that and she goes shopping I go to work whatever comes back at the end of the day and she was like you know I walked into this store and 
I started to think, well, sh what, how are these clothes made? And should I look at the tags? And how do, you know, how do I figure this out? And she's like, and I walked right back out. I was like, interesting, okay. She's, and so the weekend passed and she goes home and I got a text from her that week and she goes, you were very stealthy. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> she goes, you have me thinking, oh, you know what? I also took her to a zero waste store and I was like, look at this, look at this, ah, whatever. And she was like super into it. And she was like, you have me thinking about all kinds of things that I have never thought about before. And to think that I can get someone who works at an oil company to start thinking like that really blew my mind. And she said, you know, I've had, because she had another friend who's a pretty strong environmentalist. She said, I've had that person come to me many times and tell me, we have to do this. We have to act now. We can't do this. Like, like sirens going off. And she was like, I've always kind of like pulled away because it's just too much. She said, but the way that you said it, I, you have me thinking about it now. So much so that years later, like she's trying to find opportunities for her and her experience, um, which is very niche to figure out a way to go get into like low carbon situations. And so like, that's huge. And it's not because I told her she had to do certain things. I was just like, this is really awesome. And I'm really excited about this and look at the benefits. And she was able to absorb what she wanted in her own time. Um, and I guess just one other quick little, you know, analogy is like, you know, shouting isn't the only way to communicate and you can be the quietest voice in the room and your message can resonate the most. And so sometimes I do feel like people kind of shout their values at you. And even me, I'm like, it's a little too much for me. So um, I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for protesting. I think there's a place for all of the different aspects of it. Um, and we need that sometimes to get people moving. Um, but you know, when you're trying to get message across to what I like to call the swing voters, the people who could maybe go either way, you can't come at them hard. You have to approach them where they are. I love that. I love that story. And the thing is, is you approached it with positivity. You may not even have realized it by giving your friend that experience at a zero waste store in a positive way as an option. It, you weren't even saying like, you have to do this or that. Like, it's like, this is out there and this is really cool. And I really enjoy it. And I'm just sharing it with you because I love it. And that passion is contagious, right? Like, and that happiness is contagious. I think when, you know, I, I just vehemently believe that when we have fire alarms going off all the time, we eventually just want to like, we put in earplugs because we don't want to hear it anymore. Like it's a lot. I, I'm stressed out. Even when I have like 8 million things getting thrown at me, like if I'm making dinner and like the microwave is going off and the fire alarm goes off and then, you know, something starts burnt, like you're, you're like overwhelmed, your senses are overwhelmed. And you're like, okay, I just need to like, ah, like scream in a minute. Cause I'm just like, I'm, I just need to stop everything. And what I, I call this is like, you're just per paralyzed from climate anxiety because, and you don't know what to do because you feel like everything is wrong and just existing is wrong. And so therefore what's the point? Why even do any like so I think like and that that response is like the worst response that people can have um for us making progress and making change because for people to think that it's pointless is like it's so detrimental to like our society because then what's the point of anything, right? 
So I loved that story. And I think that it just goes to show like how we communicate matters so much about anything. It doesn't even have to be about sustainability, right? It could just be how we think about things. And these days we all get so charged up. I know even, and it's funny that you said about how when you were putting things out that were maybe angry or frustrated or charged, you would get that back because there are some sustainability Instagrams that are out there that will post something. And I get so upset. I'm, I'm like, oh my, they're just, po but they're just posting it to get people riled up because it's like engagement and it's conversation. And I understand that, but I just feel like getting people up like mad upset or, or frustrated upset. I don't know if that's the answer, but. Yeah, I think I, I read this somewhere. I think it, it was in relation to politics, but it was saying that like, when you, when you spread a message with hope, you motivate. And when you spread a message with fear, you kind of like paralyze. And so I think that that applies to this as well. You know, you, you want people to be interested and engaged in it without making them feel so overwhelmed that they just like retreat, you know? Yeah, but it definitely works to some degree because think about how impactful and inconvenient truth has been. I mean, I am, I'm a climate reality core leader. Um, I think many people would say that an inconvenient truth ins inspired them to become, to get into sustainability in some way, shape or form. I mean, it was really a turning point in history. But at the same time, like that spoke to a very small set of people probably, whereas most people either didn't watch it or ignore, just kind of went on their daily lives because the data is so big that it's hard to understand how that can apply to me. So that being said, I wanna talk a little bit more about you and like your day-to-day -day life because I know you just moved into, you just bought a house you're doing renovations. We were talking earlier when we got on the call about how we're both like dealing with things in, in sustainable ways and um, whether it's tech or whether it's uh, being at home. So I'm just sort of, I'd love to hear more about how, what are some of the things you've been doing lately? Cause you obviously have a very sustainable lifestyle, but what are some things maybe you've been doing lately that are more sustainable with your new house or well, it's an old house, but new to you house. <laughs> it's a really old house. So, um, yeah, so the house that we bought is 100 years old. And so there's lots of um, jewels hanging out. Um, but one thing that I'm even, you know, kind of not struggling through, but finding my way through is, you know, I don't know about sustainable paint or, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to, to do this renovation in the most sustainable way and in the most affordable way um and you know even the other night i was um so we're trying to you know use the existing floors when we found wood floors underneath all of the carpet and stuff and i was like pulling up these tiles and only after like my my throat was starting to get a little kind of funny and i was like i don't know how old these tiles are i don't know what kind of glue was used and I go on obviously I start to research and they're like any vinyl tiles that were laid before 1970 probably have asbestos in it and I'm like oh so you know something for me and this has always been is also balancing like sustainability and health and usually those two things really go together um 
And so that's another thing too. It's like, I want to use as much materials as I can at this house or, you know, be as frugal and thrifty as I can, but I also have to balance, am I putting my health at risk by like pulling up these old tiles? It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and, you know, for me also finding like a balance because we are trying to get this renovation done. And so it's like, how do I work that into my day-to-day -day of running my business and finding a balance between those two things um, is, uh, is tricky, but, you know, I also started my own business, so I don't have to work a nine to five. So that's, it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's finding the balance with all that stuff. I think it's interesting because I think once you start to get into a, a groove into sustainability, you graduate to something else in life, like buying a house or for some people it's, it's having a child or it's in my case, getting kittens because, you know, I mean, you can be doing something for so long and then all of a sudden I, we're getting kittens. And so there's like cat toys and, you know, you want to buy like things made from sustainable materials and things that are going to last a long time. And, and it's the same with kids, right? You buy all these like toys and, and um, clothes because you're like, oh my, you know, you want the kid, you want to see what they like. And honestly, my cats like cardboard boxes. Like they like <laughs> trash. They like they don't they don't care. And I and I truly think with the just the rise in people buying homes and our generation just thinking about this stuff so much more. In the next few years, there will be like an explosion of sustainable pet businesses and sustainable home company is just because everyone's thinking about it now you know and i think that's that's the beautiful thing about sustainability for those people that are out there that are listening that want to start a business but don't know what maybe you don't even have any experience in sustainability at all you can literally start today tomorrow whenever you want it's just about you know especially shannon's story in particular you know you started out writing and learning as you went and then you started your business. So I think it's it's gonna be the sustainability industry is just gonna continue to like grow. And I'm I'm really excited about that. So I think it's gonna explode. I think we're on the verge of something big. I read an article yesterday that sustainability consulting is currently valued in the next like 10 years at like $10 trillion. I'll send I'll you the article. It. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> of course, they were like, these are the top players, McKinsey, Deloitte, and like all the big consulting firms. I'm like, yeah, but small businesses can't afford those people. Even a lot of businesses can't afford those people. So like, if that's what they're saying is the value because of these big businesses on like the oil industry and Kellogg's or Coca-Cola, great. But that just means there's a lot of hope. And I think that's exciting. So I want to go back to you for a second because, you know, I always talk about how imperfect sustainable. I think a lot of people talk about imperfect sustainability, right? I think it's so important that we remember that we don't have to be perfect. I remember being younger and feeling like I had to fit in this box. Like if I wasn't fully vegan, then I couldn't say I was vegan. I can't say I'm this. I can't say I'm that. I couldn't be preppy because I was a tomboy. You know what I mean? Like we love to put ourselves in boxes. And I think it's actually detrimental to ourselves as like creative human beings. But 
it, and it also just keeps us from being okay with being imperfect in the things that we do. So the question is, you know, is there something that you do that makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite in the sense of you either love this thing or it's a choice that you feel like you have to make, but you feel like kind of bad because it's not the most sustainable option, but. Uh, yeah, there's tons of those. <laughs> um, so I have gone back and forth with vegetarianism for many, many years. Um, and, you know, especially now with the house, I call myself a little bit more like flexible with it. I mean, for the past few years, I'd say I'm like 90 to 95%, like totally plant-based, like not even dairy, because it just doesn't sit very well with me. Um, but like recently it's trickier, you know, I've got a lot of things going on. My husband also eats meat. So it's also incorporating that into the house. And I do feel like some people are like, if you're not vegan, like how can you be a sustainability, you know, whatever. And you know, like you in the beginning of my sustainability, like awakening, like I felt like I had to be perfect. And I, you know, had learned when I first learned about zero waste and it was like, oh, everything has to be perfect and you have to have trash, like no trash at all. And it was like, I felt like I was living in this constant um, failure, you know? And I, I refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist. And so like, I, I love that. can't, I can't live in that frame of mind all the time. And once I kind of like, like just exhaled and I was like, I don't have to be perfect. And you know what? The problem with having that like perfect sustainability or zero waste or whatever it is lifestyle is that it's not accessible to 99.9% .9 of people. And when they see that, they already like tap themselves out. They're like, there's no way I can ever get that. So I'm not even gonna try. Um, so yeah, I mean, food is a big one too, because, you know, I, I, I eat mostly vegetarian. So it's like, okay, plant-based meats. Okay. Those come in packaging. They're highly processed. They've got high, um, you know, all these seed oils and all this kind of stuff. So it's like packaging animals, health, like there's all these different things, uh, convenience. So I just, you know, I just try to make the best decision at the time. Sometimes it leans more this way. Sometimes it leans more this way. But, you know, you talked about like the categorization of people. I think that's actually like human instinct where we have to like put categorize something to know if it's a threat or not. Like, I think that's like the roots of it. Um, but one thing I've realized is when like people will put you in boxes and when you step outside of that box, they freak the hell out because they can't comprehend. You might be okay. And they will like flip out and be like, you can't turn it around. It's like, I'm fine with my decisions. You don't have to be, that's cool. But like, if I'm fine with it, that's all that really matters. I just, oh my God, everything you're saying. I, I just remember being in college and feeling, you know, I think when everyone goes to college, like figure out who they, they want to be. And especially when you're a freshman, like you're going into school, you're like, oh my God, I could be whoever I want. And I just remember trying to figure out what box I wanted to be. And and, and at some point I'm like, I don't even care. Like who cares about the boxes? I'm just going to do whatever. And I was fine, obviously. Um, but I just remember that being like a very real thought that it's like, okay, if I want to be this type of person, then I need to have like these mm -hmm. things. And like, this is how I fit into this box. Or if I choose this, like, I don't know, maybe I'm like weird for thinking that way, but 
uh, it was just something that I, I just feel maybe other people can sometimes feel pressured into being a certain way or feeling a certain way and that they have to align all these decisions based on this, just align with what you think is right. And, um, and even with like the hip being hypocrite thing, everything we were saying about being vegan and I've been to vegan restaurants where like at the door, they're like, you can't wear any leather products. You can't wear any of this. And you're like, okay, well now, even though I eat vegan, I'm not even like accepted by my own squad, you know, like what is this? And, um, and even actually it's funny, you know, we're all working from home and I've, I also do the same thing. I buy all this, you know, vegan chicken nuggets and all this like unhealthy vegan stuff because it tastes good. I, even though I'm working from home all day, I could easily make something healthy. I just, I'm like, I don't want to, I hate cooking. I hate cooking. So actually this is not an ad, but I did get um, daily harvest, which has like plastic tops, which I wish I could ask for no plastic tops on the things or just, I don't know. There's no way you want to, if you want to solve food waste and imperfect foods and all that stuff, we package them into smoothies because that makes it better, but it's still all packaged. It's just like, there's no good decision sometimes, but it's, where we are and at least we're thinking about it. And I think that's what makes it the best thing because as we continue to think, we'll come up with new solutions. And over time, like we can only get better. Well, it's like, sometimes it's like two steps forward, one step back, right? So it's like, great, food, food waste, awesome. Ooh, packaging. So, you know, you just have to balance it. Like sometimes people ask me, well, what's better? Is, is it better to buy local? Or is it better to buy organic or package free? And it's like, you know, some days I choose one, some days I choose the other. It depends on what's, you know, feels like most in alignment with what I need at that time or, or what feels like the best decision overall with everything considered. I feel like I want to do like rapid fire questions at the end of the podcast. I could be, because one thing I want to know is like, do you think grocery stores are more sustainable or food order delivery services? I tend to stay away from the food order delivery services. Me personally, I'm not saying yes or no, but because of the packaging and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's, I guess, cause it feels like I have a little bit more control over the, the matter. Um, but I mean, you know, I had a family member write me the other day and said, hey, we just found out about, I think it was like Misfits Market or Imperfect Foods. I don't remember Imperfect which one Foods. it was. Mm-hmm. One, one, one of those and she was like, um, we're doing, we're doing this thing now. And, you know, you get the, 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 you know, ugly veggies or whatever. And I was like, that's great. Like, awesome. I have decided not to do it for me personally, but like, that's awesome. So like, I will say there's no packaging within perfect foods. I've done it really, but I have had a problem where the food goes bad really, really fast. And so then Mm. I'm just throwing it, I'm, I'm composting it, but it's like, I can't keep up with the produce. And yeah. even though I should be able to, it's just, it goes bad really fast, but there's no like wrapping, like for the most part, it's all just loose fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Grocery think- stores use so much energy. Like think about how they're constantly running those freezers, refrigerators, all that stuff. 
I don't know. Yeah, I think it also depends like how much you cook too. So like for a while, I have a friend who has a CSA company um, and I had opted into the CSA and it was like really cool, but I was also getting things that I personally had no idea how to cook. And I <laughs> honestly, in my in my dream world, I will have someone cook all my meals to me because I'm not really a fan of cooking either. I do it. Um, but like I ended up stopping the CSA because I was getting stuff that I was had no idea how to use and it was going to waste. So for me... CSA was sounds like a great option but like for me personally and how I cook at home it didn't make sense so like I think it really depends on how much you cook how much time you have how adventurous you are in the kitchen you know I think there's a lot of different factors um I mean we try to do farmer's market as much as possible um and so we kind of go between farmer's market and grocery um but you know for someone who doesn't have time to do either of those things and can work on the food waste issue then maybe imperfect foods makes the most sense for them you know yeah i'm ashamed of how much vegan mac and cheese i eat on a <laughs> weekly basis who doesn't love <laughs> who doesn't love chicken nuggets even if they're not real chicken they're vegan chicken like it's so good love nuggets <laughs> yeah they have they're a staple they're a staple um well Shannon thank you so much for coming on I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation I think that you know we will I will continue to kind of look to you for for inspiration and even we're in the same industry but I think it's amazing and what you're doing and uh, I think everyone should just go follow you and, and check out all your free resources that you have. She's more free resources than me. So <laughs> go check them out. Cause they're really useful, especially like you have, you have a tool in your Instagram dropdown on having a carbon neutral website, something that I, I don't have yet. I need it obviously. <laughs> um, so go, everyone go check that out. And Shannon, is there any other, you know, for people that want to reach out to you, uh, do they just sign up for time to chat or what's the best way for anyone who has questions to kind of get in touch? Yeah, so I mean, you can check out my website, which is mamaeco.com. So M-A-M-A-E-C-O.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at mama.eco. Um, you know, if you have a business and you're interested in making it more sustainable, you can certainly reach out to me um, to, so we can chat. Um, as Sarah mentioned, I have a ton of free resources on my website, whether you're an individual or a business to help you, you know, get started on your sustainable journey, whatever that may look like for you. Yeah. So go check it out. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. I'm just happy we had this chat and uh, it's good to always talk with people that um, are doing similar things, but also differently. It's a great way to learn. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you.